Just as a reminder, uh, this session of the Peak Collaborative is going to operate just a little bit differently uh, in the sense that we don't have uh, a main topic for discussion. Uh, instead, the topic for discussion is the Peak Collaborative itself. We have a, a couple of questions that we've crafted to, to guide uh, us through a conversation um, about uh, what critical issues are that, that we're facing in our field and continue to face. Um, a new direction for peak collaborative sessions, um, uh, it, it and then considering the future of the peak collaborative in terms of direction, mission, purpose, how we can get more people involved. Uh, if anybody's interested or knows anybody who might be interested in, in becoming more involved and in, in assuming leadership roles with the group, I, I think some of the current uh, members of our of our core leadership team are going to be rotating uh, out or, or, or kind of uh, willing to rotate out to, to make room for new voices and new perspectives, which um, I think is important. And so we'll be able to kind of have conversations about that. So it's kind of like a check-in. Uh, I think it's healthy to do this every now and then. We did something similar, if memory serves, a year or so ago, just to be able to see where we are, how how well the the peak collaborative uh, peak collaborative is still serving its purpose um, and what its new purpose or purposes might be in the future. Um, so, in order to kind of better ground things, uh, we thought that it might be helpful to um, get kind of a history and overview um, of the collaborative. Uh, Chad, I asked you to do that, right? Yeah, and we uh, thanks, Kevin. Thanks everybody for being here. Um, oftentimes. Uh, these sessions, like Kevin said, are a little bit less attended, but I think through the attendance we have today, we, we can have some good conversation. Um, so for those of you who may, may be a little bit newer to the to these meetings, we started it back uh, at, at the offset of the COVID-19 pandemic, uh, really as, as a support venue for our community, navigating all the uncertainty that came with that and, and just providing a space where we could gather virtually um, together. Over time, it evolved to be sort of a forum for discussion uh, regarding what we in the community believe are timely, important topics, um, things like racism and H, uh, HP uh, and higher education. We've discussed inclusion, recruitment and retention issues, shape national standards, revision, policy. Um, and, you know, in the future, these topics will likely remain right for discussion um, alongside potential future topics like artificial intelligence, equitable grading meaningful physical education and all the things. Um, we really tried to vary the format and and try to invite a variety of voices, like Kevin was saying, uh, with diverse backgrounds and interests um, to facilitate the conversation and and sort of hear beyond sort of the, the core organizing group. Um, but really the keys that we've, we've tried to remain consistent is our promotion of solution-oriented conversation where everybody's voice is respected and heard. Um, and we've, we've sort of at the offset debated on whether or not we should sort of link up with some organizations, but we really decided to stay independent um, just to allow free thought and expression um, outside the organizational agendas or whatever. Um, but each year we sort of end with a session like this um, and really appreciate you guys jumping on um, really just to discuss the utility of this venue moving forward and identify ways it can remain relevant or if it is still relevant um, where healthy dialogue can can sort of take place. So um, we're really excited to hear your perspectives, your views. Um, and so I'm looking forward to a to a good, good conversation. Um, and there is a quest article if you're interested in like the, the deep story um, that we wrote a while back with some more detail. I can put the link in the chat if you're interested. All right, I'll jump in. This is Case O'Neill. I'll start with uh, kind of question number one. And I know there's a smaller group of people here. Um, 
but we really need to know what's the driving force behind the Peak Collaborative? Um, you know, is this a sustainable model and how can we make it better? So I guess the one thing that Kevin uh, talked about at the beginning was we need your voice. Um, we need your help. And sometimes the seven of us, when we talk, we think we know what's best for the group, but we don't always, right? So um, kind of the brainstorming team thought we should just start it off with an easy one that what do we feel are the five most pressing issues in Pete today, right? We thought let's start a softball because that might help us. I'm thinking of that dissertation mode where you start big and you funnel down to more specific. So if we start there, maybe that really blends into topics for future sessions. So um, number one, I, I, our group's going to start, but we need to hear from you. What do you feel are the, some of the five most pressing issues in Pete? You can A, um, we would love to hear you speak most of all, and two, feel free, I'm going to be taking notes in um, the Google form that I just sh shared, but you can add notes as well, all right? We're just here to work it all together. Okay, question number one, what are the five most pressing issues for in, you know, driving what we're doing in Pete today? I think one of the things, and it doesn't happen in every place, but is recruitment. Like, I think it's, it's a significant issue because if we don't, yeah, if we don't fix the recruitment issue, if we don't build programs up to where they used to be, then we don't have a job. We will be slowly moved out of, you know, programs will close underneath really good teachers and professors. They'll either leave or they'll end up um, you know, teaching kinesiology 100 for four sections a semester because they no longer have uh, a PEAT program to teach in. And I think before you fix that, I mean, everything else is linked to that. Yeah. I, I would, I would, uh, I just typed this in the chat, but another one for me, I think would be a lack of uh, available high quality field placement sites, especially at the secondary level, so that our students are, are able to see, experience, and engage in high quality physical education alongside um, effective practitioners. Yeah. Um, Alex and Shannon, would either of you mind talking about um, your thoughts on recruitment or and or um, secondary level placements? We're trying to get you to all. I just said ask to unmute. I don't know if Jen's on the setting. Everyone should be able to unmute themselves at this point. Great. Thank you. Oh, oh, I can. Hey, I was looking to see if there was another Shannon. I was like, how did I get voluntold? Um, hi, everybody. Yes. So I gave a yes. So I guess I voluntold myself like amen to that. Like, how do we get more people? And I don't feel like we're all competitive against each other trying to get the same kids like this is a joint effort of like how do we join together to get the word out there and I mean so I invited Dr. Sweeney saw like secretly volunteer told her too but uh so she's our health education specialist and so we were talking about this this morning but like how can we collaborate and even 
ensure that like the expectations that we have of our students are similar so that we are sending out high quality graduates like like even down to at the master's level like what are our expectations for comps or who's doing a thesis like how do we get kids in here and then how do we keep them how do we so all of it that's why i gave a yes so there you go i have lots of questions and no answers i think and i can't beat myself i think uh, Kevin and others in this room do a lot with socialization, but if you, I'm blending the two comments that the students come out of high school, you know, with these poor perceptions of physical education, right? So, and then I get, you know, I teach intro to Kines is one of my classes that has a mix of students and I do a day or two on quality P and they're like, I didn't know PE could be like this. And I've stolen a couple majors because of it. You know, that's not my intention, but I'm in Tennessee and I'm going to say the secondary PE in my area is pretty poor. And my student teachers right now are just telling horrible stories. And it's like, how do I promote this field when they're like, I don't want to sit and roll out the ball. I don't want to play on my phone for 40 years. So it's like, I'm an upbeat, energetic guy, but I really can't sell my program until they get here. And that's a big problem. I think that's a very realistic problem. Um, and I don't know if we can teach backward. I know sometimes when we go to secondary placements, I feel like we're teaching the cooperating teachers. Um, but there, maybe we can do something grassroots. But I agree. I think the perception of physical education is one of our biggest enemies. I mean, I'm going to throw it out there. I know I, I just spoke, but like I feel like I tell my students all the time, whether we like the word standardized, we need an accountability system for PE teachers, right? There has to be, why are you, there's no, there's no motivation to teach if there's not an accountability system, right? And they get observed twice a year or something. How do we, how do we beat that? That's a question I ask myself all the time. Maybe going back to the recruitment piece, obviously recruitment into um, our undergraduate programs, but I'm finding recruitment into like doctoral Pete to also be an issue. Um, I know in our, in our program, we had a, a couple and maybe four applications this year, but then they don't follow through or they're not qualified. Um, would we have a few really good ones coming in this coming year, but uh I think that's a big issue. So how do we identify folks who are already teaching or people we know in master's programs that would make great PEAT faculty in the future? And how do we get them to apply? And we know the barriers and the things that aren't very attractive, leaving a teaching salary to live on a stipend <clears throat> for a few years. But I think that's something because we're going to run out of PEAT faculty as more and more are retiring. Um, and I know those programs are closing with those retirements sometimes. So it's all connected. So It, it really is, uh, Jen. I know for, for so many years, um, you know, like when I was finishing my PhD, the conversation was always that 
there are more jobs available than there are candidates looking for them. And I'm not so sure that that's still the case anymore. It does seem like there have been a lot of programs that have closed down uh, or, or, or stopped replacing faculty lines when, when folks retire. So maybe not discontinue the program, but move to adjuncts or non-tenure track faculty as, as opposed to tenure track lines. Um, and, uh, you know, we still see jobs posted every year. I, I, I'm not actively on the job market, so I don't pay too, too close of attention. But in talking with my students, I, you know, I do wonder sometimes if the market is as robust as it used to be. You're right, Kevin. And I think if we can attack the recruitment at the undergraduate level, get those numbers up, there'll be more demand for peak faculty. And then you know, we'll need more doctoral students. Um, so it's, like I said, it's all connected. Um, but I, I do think we, I don't, I don't know that every job's filled. Um, case in my, I know we, we haven't looked at that. I haven't looked at it, but um, I know there were a bunch of jobs open this year, just from um, one of our doc students who was applying. He had a nice spreadsheet of every single job. Oh, that's and, a good strategy. I don't know. I don't know uh, if those were filled or not, um, but it seemed like there were plenty of jobs out there. So, I I am not job searching, but for, it's just become a habit that I look sometimes, and I've done that for years. And I think one anecdotally, one thing I'm seeing too is like the first stage is that they're turning positions into instructor positions or teaching a, 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 a associate or assistant professors and. These research-based, well, not more research on the spectrum lines of tenure track lines is, unfortunately, I think that this is the first step is of doing away with programs. I, I know three programs that did that this year. Well, that's an, that's an interesting point. Um, and I, to a conversation I had in Seattle with uh, folks that run, I think it was NC State's college level physical education program so they i think they have hundreds of classes and and he was mentioning that that is a viable job avenue for people with bachelor's degrees and so you know when we're thinking about recruitment and retention you know i think how we conceptualize physical education and and sort of keep it within this k-12 school-based environment may be one limitation to consider, especially for people that might enjoy, you know, higher level physical education that may occur at the at the university level. Now, the unfortunate thing is, now, as we all know, is those those types of programs are also disappearing. But um, I I myself don't put that forth as a possible job avenue when the reality is it might be, and that might be appealing to people um, who don't know that and are in our major. And if they did know that, maybe they would be in our major. <laughs> Risto? Risto? Yeah, so I think one of the issues with those tenure track versus term or instructor positions, I think some universities are getting to a point with accreditation that they get dinged on accreditation if they have too many adjuncts. So if you're a research intensive university, do you bring in a person who's doing a one, two, a two, two, or do you bring in an instructor who does a 4-4, they're full-time employees, they can cover those classes that were uh, usually given to adjuncts. And, uh, you know, I think adjuncts are great to use in certain classes because a lot of them are teaching. They're, they're actually in the school 
Monday through Friday and they teach a night class or something like that. So, but I think the accreditation issue is something that might be pushing some of those term um, or full-time instructor positions. I think you bring up a really good point. This happened to me literally last week. We had our SAC COC. My, I have a, we hire a full-time uh, supervisor. I had, I have 17 student teachers right now and she has 15 years of teaching experience, but I had to like, they, I, they were about to say I had to fire her, you know, because she only has a bachelor's and you're right, Risto, in regards to is, is a recruitment strategy trying to recruit active teachers? Is that something even that's viable, you know, because I want this woman, our supervisor to teach more, not if she only does supervision right now, but I would love her teaching a, you know, a, a methods-based course. I don't know. Is the research PhD the the the, the avenue that's going to get us the faculty we need? I, I'm just throwing it out there, but. I know for us, unless we have numbers, we're not going to get a faculty line ever. Maybe that would be, uh, maybe that, that this would be a good place to kind of tie up this conversation and jump to the to the next question, um, just so we make sure we have, uh, we have time to cover everything. Uh, so, so kind of having talked about some of the key issues framing our field, uh, what we'd like to transition to now uh, is some directions for future peat collaborative sessions. Um, and so uh, I'm just dropping that in the chat as uh, as the kind of direction for the next conversation. So what are some topics or some some um, ideas that we could tackle in future sessions of the Peak Collaborative? Yeah, so that's an interesting idea, Bob. I think we talked about this uh, in, in one of our uh, previous meetings. I think I know what you mean, but do you want to just give an overview real quick, just to make sure we're all on the same page? Yeah, I think one of the things that we have in our field is we have our connections that we rely on to be productive, both in our service, our research, and our teaching. Um, but how could the collaborative uh, more uh, intentionally do that, right? I know a lot of us, sometimes we'll be text messaging on the side or we'll start a conversation in the chat. And it's based on previous relationships that we've already had, whether it's at conferences or in, in programs that we were part of or done projects, but how could here literally on the call, can we do that, whether it's through breakout rooms or brainstorming together that leads to actual actionable uh, follow-ups that we can take that are, are within the collaborative structure and not just informal based on previous relationships. Yeah, I think that that's a really great idea. I think the leadership team has had similar conversations recently about being able to position peak collaborative sessions as collaborative, you know, research networking sessions. Um, uh, and I, I could see something, for example, like the creation of breakout rooms to, to discuss different research areas or topics and connect people who have, you know, similar uh, interests. I think that'd be a great idea. Uh, what else? I'm just going to continue that point for just a second. I think that's a great idea because we were talking to the collab, the collab gr uh, group about making this a space to promote collaboration, right? Like I'm moving towards in my program, doing some more with homeschool. And like, I want to know people that have done that, been there, right? Like what works, what doesn't. And that's, I think this space, or I know we've talked about with online PE. It's just another thing that came to mind. Like who's done there, who's been there, what's working Right. And I personally don't want to wait a year for the Joper to come out. I want to talk to the people here and now that are doing those things. And I want to maybe jump 
I want to know what Jen Krause is doing in Northern Colorado to maybe help out. And, and maybe that, you know, whatever the organizational team looks like in the future, be more intentional about like supporting people to advocate for themselves. Like, Hey, I got this really good idea. I would love to come on P Collaborative and talk about it. I know that that might be a little bit more, I don't want to say aggressive, but like forward than our community is. We're, I feel like we're pretty humble and just sit back a little bit, but like, we've got a lot of good stuff going on and maybe that's, you know, we don't all know what everybody's doing all the time to be able to even suggest it as a topic. So maybe that's something moving forward that we could be intentional about is like encouraging people to make suggestions and come off. Like it's an open door, really. If it's an interesting conversation that people could benefit from, this is what it's about, I think. Yeah, and I think, I think for us who have been kind of organizing this, it's just, you know, we struggle sometimes because it, it has been like a little bit of a downhill slope in, in attendance. So, and it's, it's, it's difficult to discuss in a room when you, you actually did show up, you are here or people who are listening to this, like, um, it's just, it's a, it's a struggle to figure out what we can do. Um, what's meaningful. How many times do we do this? like putting in the effort to try to find panelists to discuss something and then people not showing up to be a part. Is it valuable to do this for 15 people? Is it valuable to do this for seven people? For those seven people in the room, maybe, maybe yes. But, you know, when we had over 100 people showing up and listening in on sessions, it's it's a completely different way of communicating and so you know I don't I think there's still a need I think there's still a need for us to have these conversations but you know the biggest sessions that we had were like hey uh, everybody has to teach online uh, starting like two weeks ago uh, do you guys want to talk about it or hey there's all this like crazy stuff happening in the world like how do we react to this can we bring some experts in to talk about it um you know so I don't know. I think that there needs to be more input. And Chad and I have talked about this. Like we we ask for feedback of like what should we be talking about? Or are there fresh voices in the room that want to step up and start facilitating things? But nobody says anything. And so we just like get back together with the seven of us and say, I think this is the direction that we need to take. Um, do we agree? And the seven of us agree, and that that's when we take that direction. And I don't know how to change that. I am happy to help and contribute. Like I love that I can drop in and listen to stuff and I've been really grateful to have this. And so I'm happy to help. And I think Risto empowered, I think, uh, and you know, we talked about this a little bit at the beginning, but it might be, you know, it's been those same seven folks, the same seven of us who have been involved in, in kind of that core leadership group since the inception of the collaborative. And it's been a few years now. Um, you know, it might be a good time to rotate some of us out and get some new voices in so that there, there are people who can who can bring fresh takes and who have perspectives that aren't grounded in everything that we've been talking about for the last few years. Um, so I, I think that could be a really valuable thing. Yeah. And, and the, the detailed story that we give in the, in the quest article is like, don't think that this was some like scheme, well-deliberated 
you know, coming together of very specific people. It was really a responsive to the COVID-19 pandemic where, you know, people with strong networks came together and, and, you know, we had no idea how long it would last or how, how it would evolve. And so I think, you know, we've always been intentional about trying to include diverse voices, diverse backgrounds, bringing stakeholders, bringing facilitators. Um, but at this stage, kind of like Risto and Kevin were saying, it's like, well, who else can we involve? Like, that's the purpose of this. It's not ours. It just happened to be that way for the last couple of years. And, and I think, I think inviting new people to sort of chart the direction is within the spirit of the collaborative from the beginning. Agreed. Any other um, ideas for uh, future collaborative sessions, uh, topics or, or, or activities that we could participate in as a group? I mean, is there some way, and so I don't know if this really answers the question that you actually asked, <laughs> but uh, like, what about the people who have never been here, who don't even know? Like I sent a text earlier today to a colleague in Omaha and I was like, have you ever heard of it? You know, do you want me to send the link? And like that, that piece of getting more buy-in into all of these things that we're saying are the pressing issues. Like how do we elevate the field beyond, like you said, the people who have already bought in and are standing in the choir box? Yeah. I'd like to add to that. I know I know that the and I agree with this approach of not connecting to another org and housing it or umbrelling it under something else. But I think uh, asking for that promotion that you're talking about, Shannon, like how do we get the word out? I think um, finding ways for them to endorse or market for us um, within our different roles. Obviously, we, we're all we are those organizations, right? And so, how do we find ways to do that? without it seeming like it's housed in a particular one. Yeah, and we've had those conversations over the years uh, and have had a challenging time, I think, settling on a way to go about that without feeling like there's an implicit endorsement of a given organization because we've, we've tried really hard to stay neutral. And that's where I think fresh ideas come in. Like, I think this I think this format could ride out and be just as fine. I also think if someone wanted to be turn this more advocate centered, you know, we could, I put it in there as kind of the next prompt, but could we take a position on something, you know, what is a small write up and, you know, the P collaborative position on A, B or C and have more of a, I, that's where the fresh ideas I think will help. Yeah, absolutely. And, and Casey, maybe that's a good point then um, to transition to uh, the, the next question. Um, I, I didn't know if you wanted to read that one and present it. Um, there are, before we do that, uh, maybe I'm getting ahead of myself. There are, I'm looking at the chat and there have been another couple of um, ideas that, uh, that Elizabeth dropped in there um, just uh, a few minutes ago. Do you want to talk about either or both of those, Elizabeth? Just... Uh, basic ideas to add some thoughts to it. So maybe something that's more focused on people who are in there. <laughs> nice sign, Shana. Uh, people who are in their first year or two as a way of kind of 
mentoring, socializing. I mean, I don't know about you guys, but I was desperate for a mentor when I first started my job and didn't really get a good one. Um, so I would have loved to have had somebody in the field who could have helped me navigate moving into higher ed and stuff. And then the other one, it was kind of chatted about those, how do we create those alternative field experiences? Shannon rocks homeschool. I rock homeschool because basically I didn't have good school systems. So I'm going to create my own um, environment to teach my students in type stuff. And so instead of somebody having, like I started that completely on my own, but having that be shared out so people can follow almost a blueprint and not have to learn the hard experiences um, by themselves. Uh, Donald, do you want to respond to that question out loud or do you want to just ping him on the side? Yeah, can you hear me? Yeah. Um, yeah sorry, good afternoon, everyone. Sorry, I'm a little bit late. I was with a Pete student um, just doing lesson observation. But um, yeah, um, sorry, Chad, regarding the grad forum, that one died a very sudden death. Um, the people that were the small few, very similar to this, all ended up sticking together, keeping in touch and ultimately getting hired. And uh, I did provide the opportunity of stewardship to a couple of graduate students even last year while I was transitioning and nobody really seemed interested because I guess there becomes a, a question of what, what, what's, what's in it for, well, I don't know, this, this is, a, I suppose, a, pers a subjective opinion, but what's in it for me and what's the benefit rather than what's in, what's, what's in it for all of us here. Um, so unfortunately, the grad forum uh, is no longer um, no, no, no longer in action, um, which also, I suppose, answers part of that question there about early career uh, faculty um, yeah, and some not knowing and some others not maybe not necessarily willing to engage as well, too. I, I don't really have an answer for that um, other than to, like, you know, uh, keep doing it. Um, uh, but that, that's that's where that one is, specifically with the grad forum. But I think that explains a lot about early career faculty and I'm, I'm not sure was it was it um wasn't there a, a, a section on early career faculty which the P collaborative at some point recently or was that ISIT connect I can't remember not sure well, we I had we it, had the different stages of, yes yeah that was the one I'm, yeah so that's the one I'm think that's the one I'm thinking of like so yeah that was the you know that was there like so I mean don't beat yourselves up about it either. Like, you know, this is a busy time of the year too. So, um, yeah. I don't know. I, I think you're right. Like that, the grad forum was a great thing because I know some grad students who, who were going to that and it's, it's super helpful to have that community. And sometimes those things go and then that group is a core kind of cohort going through academia together. And that's great. I think the question about mentoring is, what is the role of like professional organizations versus doing that in, P, in the P collaborative? Like, I feel like we had an invisible college at ARA about this, about mentoring supervision or mentoring um, at different stages, whether it's a doctoral student or early career or, and we've talked about changing that in ARA as part of our SIG to have it more formal, um, you know, or is it the, um, shape America's duty to start, or I don't know if they have a formal and informal mentoring system, but, you know, the thing is, 
if ARA does it or Shape America does it, I think they have the system and organization to do it. You have to pay for your membership and you have to show up and you have to do that kind of thing. So that is one burden for sure. But I think overstretching the peak collaborative to start that, then that becomes a little bit problematic, I think. And I'm not saying that it can't happen, but it's, you know, raise your hand if you want to volunteer to coordinate the uh, mentorship of 20 people for for no service credit, essentially, because I don't know if anybody understands at my university what the peak collaborative is. I write it in my annual review and I say that I do this, but it's not sitting on a board of a national organization or something like that or leading a task force. I think that's one of the challenges of the uh, of informality, which is something that I think we've sought intentionally. Um, it doesn't really fit within traditional academic reward structures for for better or for worse. Um, so uh, I, I just being a little bit cognizant of time and wanting to make sure that we get to the last two questions. Um, uh, Kason, do you want to introduce the next one? Yeah, no problem. Uh, we were just going to ask, and I will put it in. We've kind of dabbled around this already, but like kind of what, you know, where do we, where does the group, at least today, think we should be going with this? Should we be more invested in a, a NACI or a shape? Should we be less? Should we, you know, what is the direction? Should we keep the panelist kind of round table in general? Should we be doing more on research? Should we do, be doing more practitioner implement this thing now, kind of a strategies on Zoom. You know, what are your thoughts on where we should go? Uh, as a little bit of a background, um, the seven of us have always tried to rotate very informally to like a research, a practical session, uh, maybe a more social, social, you know, justice session. And we've always tried to, you know, we don't want to have two researches in a row or something like that, but we need help. Like not just topics, what should be our mission purpose, you know, overall. So I think one of the things you, you mentioned a couple of the professional organizations, right? So NACAHI, Shape America, ARA, uh, ICEP, um, there's a couple other that I'm probably missing and your state organizations. Um, I think those are the places that these more formal things should be occurring and can be occurring. Um, I think, you know, I like the peak collaborative for the informality, for the conversation that you can have. I think it serves a purpose there. Um, but I think um, Kevin, your comment about more in-person sessions, the more in-person sessions could happen at those conferences. So having an invisible college presentation, one hour slot, that's called Peak Collaborative Live. Like anybody who's there, this is the spirit of the Peak Collaborative that goes in. Whoever's going to Shape America that year asks for a symposium session or a session that talks about main issues of the the things that we've been talking about the peak collaborative or you know when you present you when you put the proposal in you say we don't know what the main thing is going to be but there's going to be a main thing for us to discuss come april or march 
And that's what we're going to spend an hour talking to. And it's open to everybody to come in doing that at Nakahi or um, putting sessions in maybe Nakahi is more higher education, like Pete, Pete focused. And so I think that those are, those are things that could be done. I think I would, in my personal opinion only, I would caution the Pete collaborative to move towards more like, let's get a working group to put together a paper on this, or let's get a working group to put together a paper on this because we also have no standing. Like if we write a position paper on something, they're like, who's that? Well, we'll just like a loosely affiliated group that has not incorporated and doesn't have any like stance that way. Um, so I think that those are more powerful coming from ICEP, from SHAPE, from uh, different organizations that are policy pushers, makers, suggesters. Well, I'll ask the, the, I'll ask the bigger, oh, go ahead. I was just going to say to your point that was sort of embedded within that, Russo, you know, one of the main things that I've appreciated about this venue is its ability to remain nimble and and take on timely conversation without like case without waiting for the joe bird without waiting for the think you know the quest think piece we needed to gather as a field around covid we needed to gather as a field after george floyd and probably before that definitely before you know like these are conversations that we needed to have and and really had to kind of wait until shape or aera or nakahe to be able to really get together and talk beyond our sort of insular networks. So I think at the very least, having a place where we can come together at some point and talk about things in the immediate has has, has its benefits. Well, I'm gonna ask a question and I'm just asking the question. I don't necessarily know where I stand. Should we have more of an impact or should we just stay informal? Are we... Are we missing the opportunity to be more of a center for advocacy or be a louder voice? I'm really just asking the question to see. I mean, we have something really good here. I, I Informally, you know, we have a ton of podcast downloads and I don't know, the last couple of sessions have averaged, what, 50 to 60 people, you know, something like that. Should we be doing more or is this just a good space to have basically a discussion forum, but in live, just to, you know, yeah. I think it's a good question to ask the people who aren't here um, because we, we, we do value the, the forum and the content because we're, that's so much so that we're here, even when we're not actually doing it. So how do we, how do we find out from like when Shannon's talking about that, that person that she's recruiting, what, what they need, what would bring them in? And so how do we find out that information? Well, I definitely think like the the informal conversations, like the impromptu things that do come up and I don't know, it's, it's helpful just to even know that like everybody is experiencing these things and kind of hear, you know, what the innovative ideas are that are, that are working or, you know, where are the successes and maybe what can, like, I think you mentioned earlier, Kaysen, like, what are the things we can take home and do right now? By take home, I mean, to the classroom. But um, so those kinds of things are, like, helpful and like that, that come about through the, 
informal nature, I think, without having to have a specific stance. So to Shannon and and Bob and, and the rest of the group, one thing we've talked about for a while is like, did we? What if we had, you know, instead of once a month, maybe two every every other, you know, two weeks, we have our main session, but then we have a mini session, you know, that's focused on topic A. Would that dilute the product? You know, like let's say our main collab is on social justice next month, but we're doing a mini group on online PE. You know, does that dilute the product? Or does that would that be more helpful? I, I remember us talking about that a couple of times. So when you think about um, the professional development research, right? It's always this one and done is is always part of the problem. And so I think having some some form of front loading and then the session and then your mini session as as a form of like a follow up. So if one of the main things that came out of it is this piece of it, okay, now we're going to do the mini session on that. For those of you who want to do more work in that area, jump on. So the main session still still is held up, but where maybe there's an article or two that we're reading before coming in, or maybe there's a prompt, and then and then we're coming into the session and there's some kind of follow through for those who want to continue. Yeah, we had some of those spinoffs with uh, secondary methods and primary methods groups that people joined and, you know, we created a Google Drive that everybody shared their syllabus and sample activities and stuff. And I think those are, you know, for those who are interested, it's good. Like, even if I had three people in that conversation, I would have learned a lot. I would have seen how other people structure their primary methods course. And it's, different than mine. And, you know, those, those courses, a lot of them made me, made me reconsider what I was teaching in what order, what things that I was leaving out based on my own kind of bias and people seeing that, oh, four different professors teach this content, but I only gloss over it. So I think that those, those are good, like spinoffs. I think in the beginning, there was a lot of people who just said, hey, uh, can you start one on this? And then I was like me running four or five different breakout sessions. And I'm like, just do it yourself. They're like, no, we can't. Like, you have to start it. And and I think that that's the, the difference there is like, you have like-minded individuals, you just set up a meeting and say, hey, I'm going to make sure one of your friends shows up so you're not there by yourself. But then open it up to anybody else and share share that. I think it's supported. Hey everyone. Um, so I put something in the in the chat. It's just to uh, um, a quick idea came to my mind that maybe also involve those P teachers um, um, jump in as because they're in the front line. I think sometimes they can bring more of those uh, practitional perspectives um, to us, not only for for us as like faculty, but also for students. They may build a connection uh, of what they learned in the in, in the program, or you know what what we are doing in the program. Um, maybe can have some uh, differences or you know different perspective from them. Um, and also a quick idea is like maybe have some sort of webinar, like thirty minutes, or uh, like because we talk about like those mini like sessions or something like. This. So have a quick sharing. I, I'm not sure about the topics, but I think that might be beneficial to stay connected um, within the group and also extend impact um, to the community. Uh, so these are just 
quick ideas uh, came to my mind. Thanks. All right. Any final thoughts on um, future direction? I mean, what do you want to, what do you know, why do you guys keep showing up? Why do you, what do you want us to do? Right. Like that's that we always ask that question internally. What, do, what does the people want? Any final thoughts? Well, we've kind of touched upon this, so I'll throw out the last question and Kevin can kind of uh, close it up. We've dabbled on this, but any final ideas for our fourth and final question was how do we increase the size and reach of this peak collaborative? So for background with that, basically uh, we we rely on a database of, you know, listserv of emails that's pretty comprehensive, but in by no means captures everybody as well as just interested people's social media accounts. Like I always just tweet something out, people tweet something out about upcoming meeting. And then it, you know, sort of rely on the network effect to to spread the news beyond, you know, our own social network. So other than that, no, I think what else is possible uh, to sort of get the word out? Shannon texting, you know, texting coworkers is always good, inviting those who might be interested. Um, what else? I, I think those individual invites. I mean, that's how you that's how you slowly grow it. And Shannon, thanks for doing that, right? Like remembering just to say, like, hey, there's a P collaborative this week. Like, I, I think you'd be interested in this topic. Here's the link, right? Um, so the email listserv that we are going off of is one that I made that basically just scoured the internet for people who are there. And I will tell you, I've not updated that list on there and cross-referenced it with the other list that I have. So there are people who have moved who don't get it. There are people that this goes into their junk mail that they never see it. It gets quarantined from their email inbox by the um, by the university and they don't see them and you know that's the only kind of reach that we have is blasting out an email reminder but i think people who come here if they want to grow it i think that's a forward hey you should come like come check this out here's the zoom link or you know even playing um calendar battleship and just like throwing it into someone's calendar as a calendar invite and then they're like what what happened? What is this? And then it's on their calendar and they should go. That's that's how I make my meetings. I just throw calendar invites at people and then I send them an email and I say, I hope this time works for you because it works for me. You should try it. It's one game. Yeah, I love that. Um, <clears throat> so I, I guess a related question uh, in addition to, uh, you know, uh, the, the question that um, Kaysen posed um, uh, about how do we increase the size and the reach of the collaborative or a related question is, um, are, are any of you, or do you know anybody who might be interested in, in getting, uh, getting more involved in terms of, uh, being part of leadership? Um, you know, I, I, I'll speak for myself, but, um, I've, I've really enjoyed this opportunity. Uh, I, I think that, um, I've contributed meaningfully over the last couple of years, but, you know, my perspective is my perspective. I think it'd be great to have somebody else's voice come in and, and take my place. And so I'd be very happy to give up my seat uh, for somebody else. Uh, I, I think that it's important that we retain at least some continuity. 
uh, so as to not have everybody rotate out at the same time. Um, if this is going to be a long-term thing, maybe it's staggered uh, quote-unquote appointments so that about half of the group rotates off every couple of years or something. But, um, you know, I think we can figure that out later. The, the core question for now is, are any of you interested in, in getting involved and maybe taking on more leadership roles? Or do you know other people who might be? If, don't, if not volunteering yourself, volunteer your friends. And you don't have to answer that now, I guess. Like if you do, we will definitely take your name or whatever, but feel free to just reach out via email. And, you know, we'd, we'd love to have other voices on, on in the group. I mean, while you're thinking about that, I want to touch upon something that uh, Shannon said in the comments and that I completely agree with. Like, this is a great space just to have some connection to Pete, right? I I have one colleague and some part-time faculty, but honestly, sometimes when we're, the seven of us are planning, it's some of my favorite times because we're just talking about Pete and having professional disagreement about some topics. And I love that about why someone feels this is more important. And I love when some of the senior members of our community, you know, the Hanses of the world come on and they have a differing perspective. Like, I, I honestly love it. I, I, I just, the discourse is what brings me here. Even the days I'm not leading, I don't know if I've missed one and since we've done it. And I agree. That's why I keep coming as well. Well, I think that that was that was the last question that we had for the group. Um, oh, Donald's got something. <laughs> and here I was thinking you had something legitimate to contribute. Um, but uh, I, I think that was the last question that that, that we had. Um, you know, I, I I don't know if there's any point in belaboring it any further. If 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 uh, if we feel like we've kind of exhausted the conversation, um, I, I I do think it would be a good idea uh, if anybody's interested to reach out about leadership opportunities. Uh, we want to be inclusive. Want to get other folks involved. Um, and and I also think it's important to kind of consider the perspectives and the composition of that leadership group. Um, you know, right now, I you know, looking around, we have a lot of. Uh, of white people in this meeting. And I think it would be good to get diverse Pete faculty voices uh, around the table as well. So when you're thinking about potential uh, leaders who could join the collaborative, uh, maybe that would be a, a, a good uh, thing to keep in mind. Um, and anything else that we uh, we should discuss? All right, well, do form, I have- Another I, form of uh, representation could be from, from people who are engaged in those different organizations. So looking at, who is running this based on um, wh where those people are in terms of leadership in those other orgs. Because if we want to spill over and the word to get out through those other orgs, there needs to be people representing them. Maybe even a graduate student representative could be a no nice socialization uh, experience for them just to be a part of. It doesn't have to be a long-term. Maybe it's that's just a year-to-year -year thing, whereas other people could, you know, Obviously, the commitment's up to anybody. You know, it doesn't. There's no fixed term. That's the beauty of being a decentralized, non-hierarchical, informal, etc. It's you know, community. Um, but you know, that's another option for those of you who work with doctoral students to to suggest their involvement as well. Yeah, or an assistant professor who has deep roots in Nakahe and Shape, who may or may not be in the state of Connecticut, who might want to step up just because he's in two different areas um all right well uh, if there's nothing else do i have it within my power to close this meeting of the peak collaborative all right 
so closed. Uh, good seeing everybody again. Uh, I think Peak Collaborative will be back in the fall uh, once we resume our um, our, our, our uh, class schedules. Uh, we'll get information out to everybody about uh, the topics and the meeting schedule as that gets developed. Please reach out to one or all of us if you've got ideas about people who might want to get involved. And it was great seeing everybody. Best of luck with the end of the year.